this is the Dementia Podcast. I'm your host, Colm Cunningham. We began planning this new season of the podcast during lockdown, so I got to know our new resident guest initially through a computer screen. In addition, Ilsa's chats, observations, and the expert discussions throughout the season and beyond will form the basis of a book she's putting together about dementia, but more importantly about people and told through these conversations. Hi, Colm. Hey, Elsa, how are you? Yes, I'm good. On the other side of the world from you. I am. Well, hopefully you've got a bit of sun. We are enjoying the sun in Edinburgh, which is a rare event. Oh, beautiful. It's been miserably cold here today. Hold on. I've got to challenge you on that. What temperature does miserably cold mean for you? Because it's all relative. It's 17 degrees here. Okay. All right. Okay, fine. It was 15 here today. Oh, then it's not miserably cold. It's just an Aussie world. That's Ilsa Wilde. Ilsa is an author from Melbourne, Australia. So she's not kidding when she says from the other side of the world. We talk often about telling stories and sharing them. And that's what we're going to do right now. Ilsa's going to be joining me on this shared story. While Ilsa has experience with dementia through her family history, she's here to ask questions. Questions maybe that some of us don't get to ask. We'll come back to that first conversation I had with Ilsa, but first we start in an apartment building. Ilsa's to be exact, as we prepare to have a chat with her neighbors. I'm about to go around to Jim and Claire's house. I feel nervous because <laughs> the recording with John and Penny didn't work, so I feel extra like stressed about this working. But also, it's my neighbours and I actually haven't really been in their house yet, so this is my first visit to their house and then we're just going to keep being neighbours. So hopefully um, this is going to go well. I went round to the um, French bakery near my house and bought some macarons I'm like is it macaron or macaroon I feel like macaroons have anyway coconut or something I feel like they're French little cute French colorful biscuits and that's what I've got and I'm trying to decide whether to get pickles that my kid made and give them as well like how many gifts is a good number of gifts clearly I care about what's happening this morning so breathe in and I'm gonna go around there That was me just before I walked out my door. I swear I'm not usually that stressed, but I had a wonderful chat with a couple only a week before, Penny and John. Penny lives with dementia and it was great to hear their perspective and how their life has been since Penny received her diagnosis. And then the strange setup we used to record the call decided to fail on us. With all those thoughts still in my mind, I walk out the door. Claire and Jim's apartment is just down the corridor from mine. Our floor has a shared WhatsApp group, which was created during the COVID lockdowns. And when my family first moved in last November, we were immediately invited to join the group. When my six-year-old flooded our place by blocking the plug hole trying to make a swimming pool in the shower, Jono sent out the distress signal to the WhatsApp group and Jim was over in a flash to help. So I guess I feel like I want to get a picture of your lives before there was any diagnosis before there was any changes in your behaviour, like what did you do and what was what were your daily lives like? Do you want to start 
Claire? Um, uh, well, you could sort of say, uh, you know, the first um, tw- 20,000. What's what was it called? No, 2,000? 2,000. Yeah, yeah, 2000. Um, and of course, she's now over 20, 20 um, past what more. So here am I am. I get spit so, you know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it, that's I okay. feel that's, really relaxed. I know, about, that's okay. You know, whatever's that's okay. happening. Yeah, with well, you. that's over 20, 20, 20, we, I can't, weeks, weeks. No, 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 not weeks, but years. Yeah, 20 years. Yeah, because 2022 mm, it is mm, now. Mm. So what was your job? Because um, I, I was a, a principal, a principal. Yeah, and um, I get uh, all sorts of things. In a, in a, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting very worrying about this. Um, but it's um, nervous. Are you nervous? Oh, terrible. Yeah, I am nervous, but Is, but not that much. Not, that not not that much really. But anyway, um, well, perhaps I can start and answer the question, and you can come. Well, okay, all right, that's fine. Claire starts out holding the microphone, but she says she's worried, and Jim very quickly takes over. He reaches an arm around her, and she leans into him as he holds the microphone for them both. Prior to Claire's diagnosis, we were both very busy professionals, Claire being a principal of a primary school, mm. in a Catholic primary school in um, Mul- oh, well, it was Deep Dean. Deep Dean, definitely. And, and I was a an accountant. Yeah. Semi-retired from selling my practice. And I was then auditing. Yeah. So I was doing auditing of Superfund. So I was very busy with that. Mm-hmm. Claire was very busy. And then there was a hiccup at Claire's school, which didn't involve Claire so much as it involved other people. And Claire decided that the pressure from that uh, not worth it. was not worth it not and worth she it. wanted to retire. Yep. That was supported by her employer, but it was um, – well, we won't go into the details of that, but it was very unfortunate for Claire to finish her mm, wonderful okay. career that mm. way. Yeah, so I'm just – because we're recording, I just wanted to say I saw your face, Claire, when Jim said there was a hiccup at your school and you pulled a face with a Ooh. mouth. So uh, I don't need to go into the details no, you don't need about to go that, but do you want to talk about what that felt like for you, Claire, when that happened? Uh, terrib- I was just te- um, just devastated. Stu- devastated. Stunned yeah. and de- – yes. Yeah. So at that stage, we were still – running backwards and forwards to Mansfield, which was our retreat to get away from our busy lives. Mm. The two hours travelling in the car was two hours talking and communicating, which we didn't have a lot of prior to our retirement. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. And then we noticed some problems with Claire's thinking. Mm. At first, I thought it was her hearing. She wasn't hearing me. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And so I sent her off to a um, hearing specialist and she, and who tested her hearing and she came back, um, well, 2020 is a vision thing. So whatever that is in hearing, she came back 2020. Mm. And so I, I figured that that was unusual. And then we have a son who's involved in the medical industry, mm. and he suggested that we 
talk to a specialist psychologist, sorry, psychiatrist. Yeah. Mm. And we went and saw a Dr. Mochallen. Do you remember the little things that made you think, oh, there's something going on, just to kind of go back a little yeah. bit? Like yeah. what, were the, what, what were the kind of moments where you went, oh, that's not. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure now. I as I said earlier, I thought it was her hearing. Yeah. That, that I was saying something like, for example, uh, can I have a cup of tea? Because Claire's a great tea maker. Yeah. And she'd say, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> and then she wouldn't make a cup of tea. Uh. So I thought that was strange. And then I'd say something like, um, uh, do you want to go over to uh, High Point with me? Yeah. Yes. And then she'd sit down and... And not think about it anymore. Ah, uh, yeah. And I'd be fussing around waiting to go and she'd be, where are we going? Ah, uh, yeah. So there were these small things like that. Yeah. And so in the end, in the end, Claire um, was displaying similar condition with the boys, our three sons. Mm. And one of them in particular who had referred us to Dr. Machallan because I had gone to him with the with the issue, mm. he said, "Dad, there's something wrong." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, and and that's why he referred us to Doctor yeah. Mitchellen. From his diagnosis, Claire has a, a degenerative brain disorder, mm-hmm. and that is probably early onset dementia leading into. Alzheimer's. Well, can you can I ask you those first few visits? What were they like? Were you both there? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. And I think he was. I felt sort of like stoned a bit. Like, what's this going on? What's this place? This is just a bit. I don't know whether he's from here or not or whatever. I was. Yeah. I think you, the word you meant was stunned. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Stoned. Yeah. But we were both very stunned. Yeah. We weren't expecting that diagnosis. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Claire went in on her own at that time. Mm. Oh. Okay, so you got to, that diagnosis by, when you mm. were by yourself. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And then and how did – do you remember what how the doctor was when he gave you that diagnosis? Uh, well, I'm, like, mm, I'm trying to think whether he, he was with – Jim or by himself? No, or... you called me in yeah. to the room. That's right. I was in the waiting room. Oh, yeah. okay, and you, you called, called Jim me cause... in mm. and gave me the news, yeah. yeah, which he had already broken to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a beautiful man. Yeah, he is a beautiful man. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah, so he, d- he, did a, he did a good job of giving you the information. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Jim lets a few tears go as he talks. Claire speaks less, but her whole face is alive with agreement and feelings. She nods, raises her eyebrows and grins wickedly at me or shakes her head in exasperation, a constant silent commentary on what Jim is saying. We end up talking about their travel stories, their family and how they spend their day-to-day. We'll hear from both of them again soon. When I first met Ailsa, she asked me to tell her a little bit about myself and why raising awareness and knowledge about dementia and dementia care is so important to me. 
So let me share a little bit about what I told Ilsa. For over 25 years, I've been involved in dementia care. And until the end of 2022, I had the privilege of leading Hammond Cares Dementia Centre. It's a centre of international thought leadership in dementia, where practitioners, care workers, staff, and importantly, people with lived experience of dementia come together to drive change in dementia care. While I have a background in general and intellectual disability nursing, it was my time in a large community that had a massive impact on me. It really changed the way I thought about providing care for people with complex needs. More recently, my focus has been on unraveling the issue of complex behaviours in dementia, connecting research with practice, which has led to a much greater understanding of the evidence supporting non-drug treatments. And along with my colleagues, the recent publication of a textbook on this subject, design of the built environment for people living with dementia is also a passion for me. I am sure you'll hear a lot about how our environment and building design impacts on people's quality of life. But now let's get back to that first conversation with Ilsa. The author Oscar Wilde once said memory is the diary we all carry about with us. So it's not surprising then, in those first few signs that Jim describes, we see memory being one of the first things that is noticed. Ilsa asked me about this. And short-term memory issues are often the initial signs people notice. And I discussed this and some of the other changes a person with dementia may experience. Importantly, there may be other reasons for these changes that are not about dementia. Colin is in the UK and I'm in Melbourne, so we meet at 8pm my time. My partner has a work meeting until 8 and my six-year-old is supposed to turn his lights out at 8, so it's all happening at the most high-stakes moment of our family evening. I pass the baton slam the study door and click through my emails into the recording site. Colm and I start talking and eventually we get onto those first signs of dementia and how it might present itself early on. Well, there'll be a few people with dementia that I talk to uh, who would say, don't start with the memory stuff, Colm, but it is often that people are um, uh, noticing memory issues um, and that they are defaulting to uh, things that happened before um, or they're not making the connection with something that's happening in the room. Now, the first thing we would say and all the consultants that work in the dementia center and all of that would say is let's start with making sure that the person can see through their glasses and that their ear canals are not blocked with wax and all those things because it may well be a receptive issue and it's got nothing to do with dementia. It may well be that they have a urinary infection that's just knocking things off slightly. All of these things must must be part of the first stage that we uh, and it's significantly because we know that things uh, like isolation, uh, which happened increasingly during COVID and depression, depression can often mimic many of well, not mimic, sorry, but many of the things that come out of uh, depression do look like dementia, but if treated, might well again resolve that. So I guess my starting point is make sure before you start jumping to the D word that you've actually ruled out everything else, Um, Mm. uh, a medication change. I could go on with the list of things that's really important uh, to think about. But generally, people start having problems with their short-term memory. um, Mm. And Therefore, our brains are quite clever. We will still try and use that information and processes, but we'll be using more of our long-term memory. 
I often describe um, uh, the, uh, your memories as if somebody has filed everything in order of date and somebody started using a shredder um, on the, the short-term memory thing. So you quite rightly default to things that are in your memory bank because they are solid. So Colm gives me a few examples of how we can work with changes in people's memory. From making sure the clocks are accurate, so even if people's short-term memory is affected, they're still able to place themselves within the day. Or maybe because they're only accessing long-term memory, they're only able to read analogue clocks and not a digital one. He talks about needing classic signage for public toilets that's clear and makes logical sense. I get the feeling that design is something Colm is pretty passionate about. So the next thing I am going to do is I am going to be going into a conversation with a GP and I'm going to be talking with her about dementia and those kind of first conversations that people might have when they come to a GP really early on, maybe with an early diagnosis or maybe without yet having a diagnosis. Is mm-hmm. is there anything in particular you would like to hear about that conversation or what um or what are your thoughts about that early conversation with a GP? Well, I think one of the things that's really important is that GPs see lots and lots of different people with different needs and different conditions. They probably, on average, I think one study said you might, they might see uh, three people in a year that, they, that might have dementia. So it's not something that they're doing day in and day out. So the first thing I'd want to make sure is that they have access to information and resources that help them in that early stage when they go hang hang on something's genes so that they follow a really good process for that person and know where the help is. Because I don't think we can expect our GPs, unless they've specialized, to be all things. Um, So it's really important, uh, however, that they do know uh, so what I'd love to hear is that they tell you, yeah, I use this resource and I know about these people uh, because I think that's the really important thing I've heard from people with dementia is that um, for want of a better description, the person fumbled along and in mm. particular that they said a lot of the wrong things and that person, you know, we talk about memory problems. People never forget those first messages to them about um what's uh what's been said like uh, well you just need to go and put your affairs in order or things like that um so i would encourage uh the gp in many ways i don't mean this the wrong way but to say nothing until they know what they need to say because that person will never forget it those first conversations can be really impactful for both the person with dementia and their family members We'll hear more from Claire and Jim in subsequent episodes. And in next week's episode, we'll join Ilsa as she sets out on her trip to chat with a local GP. Thanks for listening. The Dementia Podcast is produced by Joel Martin with editing from Sally Grosvenor. Mixing and technical support from Neil Blanco with fact-checking and research by Gina Perello. In partnership with Sydney University's Conservatorium of Music, we have Dr. Narelle Yeo managing the music team, with compositions supervised by Erin McKellar, who is also the composer of the Dementia Podcast theme. The composer for this episode's music is Charlotte Lehman. Our website is DementiaPodcast.com. The Dementia Podcast is a production 
by Hammond Cares Dementia Center.